We were going to be out at TPC Summerlin for the Shriners Hospital for Children Open, but some, uh, we'll call it bad weather. The SoFi Stadium weather delay has uh, knocked us out, and we are back inside. Uh, but we'll be joined here in just a minute by Patrick Lindsay, the tournament director out there at the Shriners Hospital for Children Open. Are they, maybe we can ask Patrick here, are they starting on time today? I think they're off, right? Are they? Okay, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen enough. Have they already, they've already started. They're good to go. Oh, they have. Yeah, people are already I golfing. Have, you and I said uh, earlier this morning, it was more the wind. Yeah. I don't know about you, where you live in town, but when I got up, because I live right near the course, it was windy. I didn't see any rain. Though. Yeah, it was raining on my way over here, but yeah, it was rainy and windy. Not fun. little challenge. Yesterday, it was 80 and clear. That's why we saw some of the scores we did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, joining us now is Patrick Lindsay, Tournament Director for the Shriners Hospital for Children Open. Good morning, Patrick. How are you today? Uh, we're doing great. How are you? Good. Yeah. Are, you, are you just looking around this morning saying, what, of all the days that Vegas is actually going to get rain and wind, it's today? Well, we've had two, two rainy days all of a sudden, but <laughs> uh, it's going to be an incredible weekend. So, all good. So, Patrick, what would we were asking about? I'm, I'm assuming they're off this morning. Um, it, it, what is what you don't want to see. Obviously, lightning. I mean, what what would pause everything out there? Yeah, lightning at this point would. And as of right now, it doesn't seem like there's any electricity in the area. So they're they're off and playing and, and going. I think uh, Brooks Kepka has already made a couple of birdies this morning. So hopefully he's going to put up a, a low a low number on the back nine as he'll then kind of transition to the front nine to finish his 18 holes. But um, I think there's some there's actually some some scoring conditions out there Right now, it seems like the wind's died just a tad. Golf course is probably going to be a little softer with the rain this morning, so he might be able to put up a low number. I was going to ask you because we've talked so much about field in the past and you know how you guys go about getting players and recruiting them for mm-hmm. the event. Uh, Ryder Cup this year, uh, but Kepka is playing. Uh, remind us if there's anyone else in the field from that. But did that yeah. was that challenging at all because they were going to play in that event? And usually these guys like a little time off. Yeah, you know, there ended up being six Ryder Cup guys and uh, one assistant captain from each each side of that Ryder Cup team um, with uh, Brooks, Brooks Kepka, Scotty Scheffler, Harris English, Victor Hovland, Ian Poulter, and Paul Casey were the six players, and then Zach Johnson, assistant captain from the U.S. team, and then Graham McDowell from the Ryder, from the uh, European side. So we love having those guys, um, uh, you know, Every year we're going to deal with a Ryder Cup or a President's Cup. It's obviously great when it's on U.S. soil because they're already here, and we actually have an opportunity to not only get the American players, but some of those international players, such as Victor Hovland and Ian Poulter, who haven't played this event uh, before or haven't played in a long time. So it's really an opportunity to get them. What is that process like, recruiting guys to to make sure they're out here playing in this event? Um. uh, you know, it's really just kind of going to events. And, you know, I haven't been able to go to a lot of events the last couple of years because of COVID. But, you know, it's about communicating to their agents, to their caddies, to the players, the wives, um, and just make sure that they know that they're welcome here uh, and just establishing that relationship. And then once they're here, you have to make sure you, you know, really provide them a good hospitality experience, which obviously Las Vegas um, might be second <laughs> to no one in that space of providing good hospitality. So, um, uh, that's kind of the message, and uh, all the players have responded well. We have uh, 95, I believe, is the number of the top 125 guys from last year's uh, FedEx Cup playoffs. So, which really just trans- translates to a great field. But you know, outside of the Ryder Cup guys, we've got Louis Usain, who's number eight in the world, Adam Scott, 
Ricky Fowler. So it's really just going to be a, a great week, great weekend, because I the, the weather this weekend looks fantastic. I was going to say, I'm originally from Mississippi, and I think last week the, the, the tour was in Mississippi. i got to imagine it's a lot easier yep. to sell Las Vegas than Mississippi to these guys. <laughs> That's true. You know, we went out, you know, a few years ago. I know I've told this story before, but we went out um, when I got here six years ago. You know, I really wanted to establish this event as guys know that they now have to play in the fall. It's important to play in the fall and to get, get some points uh, before the end of the year. And if you look at all of the events, uh, that go on in the fall, like why would you not want Las Vegas to be that one event that you kind of end up playing domestically? And everyone's kind of responded really well. And no offense to the other market, really any other market across the United States where a PGA Tour stop is, like Las Vegas is an incredible place to host this golf tournament. So all the players have responded well with that messaging. Driving around the course the other day, the uh, valets were already full yesterday, even the day before. You guys were uh, having a lot of cars out there, all the shuttles. Uh, everyone went through crazy times with the pandemic, so it must feel good as you get to the course each morning how many people are already there. And can you talk about that and also uh, remind people about the hill? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's just kind of refreshing. I, I actually feel like my staff and all of our volunteers just really kind of feel rejuvenated a little bit uh, just to see people out here our volunteers out here, spectators, they're, they're around, they're smiling, they're having a great time, they're just in, enjoying the, the kind of different fan activations. So it's just been really, really refreshing to see fans back out here again, and it's so, so great to welcome them back. And then, you know, once, once they get here, you know, we have this incredible structure that um, has kind of been a staple of our tournament that overlooks the 16th, 17th, and 18th uh, holes, and that's the Hill, and this year we have a new partner in the Hill, and that's Caesars Sportsbook. So Caesars is, is in there pushing their app, and uh, really nice setting on the inside. Caesars actually came on board as a proud partner of ours this year, so they actually um, have the space in the Hill. They also have a fan activation space in the Point, which is right off of number 17T, um, and they also came in with some hospitality and some pro-am teams too, but uh, they've been a great partner, and hopefully uh, will be a staple of ours uh, in this event moving forward. What's uh, your favorite part? Like, what's some of the fun stuff you guys are able to do with uh, the Shriners Hospital for Children as a partner? Um, uh, well, hopefully, you guys saw the other day we actually just announced a five-year extension uh, with with Shriners uh, being here at this event. So the event is going to be here um, at least through 2026. The Shriners Children's is uh, the main backing backing partner of of this tournament. Um, you know, it's all about for us um, and Shriners. It's all about that that you know, the mission of the charity and, and getting the word out about, you know, Shriners providing the most amazing care anywhere and having our patient standard bearers that will be out here uh, working as a volunteer and walking all 18 holes uh, Saturday and Sunday. We have our national patient ambassadors out here, too, uh, having some nice interactions with the PGA Tour players. But it's all about promoting that charity and promoting uh, the, uh, the, the patients that are going to be here during the week. Um, we want to make sure that the fans that are coming in through the gates every morning are having a great experience with the golf and some of our fan activations, but they're also going to be able to experience our patients and our charity messaging so they know exactly uh, why they're here and what they're supporting while they're here. Well, he is Patrick Lindsay, the tournament director for the Shriners Hospital for Children Open out at TPC Summerlin. Patrick, thank you so much for joining us Thanks, this morning. Patrick. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Yeah, I went to um, very first year Shriners was the sponsor. I went up to Sacramento to one of their hospitals. And when you see what they do with children with uh, burns and cleft palate and all the things they help children with uh, 
incredible, incredible sponsor. I mean, we see sponsors for every event we do mostly, but this one, the money goes to an incredible, incredible place. So, uh, yeah. I do have a question about your coworkers. I saw an Instagram story last night from Topgolf that included Adam Hill yes. and Cassie Soto yes. and Heidi Fang. Yeah. Have any of them ever swung a golf club before? No chance. No chance. Because <laughs> they did not look like they no. have swung many golf clubs no chance. before. <laughs> no. I was invited to go to that. I didn't go to that. But they, they well, Cassie, I mean, we can give her a hard time at, on, at 930. Yep. They popped their head in the other day. I said, I can't go. They said, okay, does anyone else want to go? I think her hand shut up in two seconds, and she didn't even know where she was going because it was free. <laughs> and they were probably giving out free food. So there's no chance any of them had ever swung a golf club. Okay. No. Just checking. I mean, it's, good for them that they went and tried, but no. Is Cassie left-handed? Is that true? She I didn't was, see her swing. The video I saw, she was holding a golf club ready to Maybe swing left-handed. Maybe she's so bad righty that she had to switch. Possibly. That's what happened. She there. better have switched her hands also, but yeah. I guess she might not have. Yeah, but your coworkers, I don't think they're very good at this whole golf thing. No. Well, those three. I know. I mean, Dave Shane's a good golfer. We have good golfers on staff, but those three were probably... If you went to the people who have never played and said, hey, who wants to come? Their hands <laughs> shut up right away. I'm like, okay. I would say those probably the most fun people to go golfing That's with. That's true. I did I did give Cassie right home from the airport yesterday, and she put her stuff in my trunk where my clubs are, and she looked at them like she didn't really know what they were, so my guess is she can't swing one. Wait, Jared, when you say fun to go golfing with, actual golfing with? Because I have a feeling if you're so bad at golf, it's going to take you about eight hours to finish. I mean, is there, okay, it depends on whether or not the course has the lady that drives up in the golf cart. At the turn? And then you, you, you're just like, yeah, we'll take two gin and tonics. Two of those? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 those are both for me. <laughs> and what do you want, Johnny? I just, I, I can't wait to ask Cassie how many times she's won a golf cart. Because it has to be. Were they the up. ones who released the video? It was on their Instagram, yeah. Oh, it was on their Instagram. Yeah, Adam Hill and Cassie both posted Proudly so. bad. Yeah, I mean, Adam Hill made contact-wise. He had it pretty far, just didn't look made very pretty. contact-wise. Yeah, just didn't look very pretty. The ball um, is stationary. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, okay, all right. This was a few years ago, but my two sisters and my mother came out to Las Vegas, and I think it was my sister's birthday. Oh, and they went to see the Backstreet Boys. But for whatever reason, we went to Topgolf. I don't know why, but it was them three, me, and my girlfriend. And my mother was the only one that could swing a golf club. Nobody Had else that played? was there with us. I don't think so. I don't I don't know, but she's I don't know, genuine like generally athletic or something. But <laughs> like my younger sister played softball growing up and she's over here like doing like a knee step before she swings it, like she's getting ready for <laughs> like the pitch to ready come for in. Like a rise ball. Yeah. My older sister, my older sister played basketball growing up. She couldn't she didn't know what was going on. Had no idea how to do this. I'm like, all right. I understand maybe you're not hit it very far, not very good, but you're just swinging a golf club. Like, this can't take that long to figure out. Unbelievable how bad they were. I, I genuinely couldn't believe how horrible my family looked at swinging a golf club. It's a fun place, though. And it all oh, top golf great. Oh, I've been great. I've been actual golfing once in my life. Whatever. It was fine. Didn't care that much about it. Top golf? Oh, I, I'll go to top golf any day of the week. Whatever. Yeah. Real golf? Yeah, whatever. But top golf? Oh, I love that. But you don't have to go anywhere. The balls just keep coming out, and you just keep whacking did it. Did you see, uh, did Heidi Fang swing? No, she was trying to help Cassie. Oh, God. Stand? I don't know. <laughs> stand? Like, yeah. <laughs> there might have been some drinking dough, too. Yeah, it's probably probably a big problem there, too. So, coming up next, it's the front page. 
in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Game one of the NLDS is today. Dodgers and Giants. You nervous, Ed? Dodgers and three. Dodgers and three. Come on. Come on. Yeah, I'm nervous, of course. Come on. Playing the best team in baseball. Dodgers and three. Come on. You are the best team in baseball. No. No. Do you really think they'll win the series? Yes. I have no faith. The Dodgers are better than the Giants. It will not be good tonight because I'm covering the Aces game and I'll have to follow along with uh, on the on the computer. And I just I hope they sit me at the complete top of the arena to where no one can see because it will not be good. Are you going to just follow like the dots or are you gonna bring it you're gonna watch it? Oh, I won't watch it. Oh, come on. No. You I've got to cover the game. I got to watch yeah. what's happening in front of me. You work with Adam Hill. Adam Hill's got a tablet with a game on it every time he covers <laughs> he does, something. He does have illegal streams right. for pretty much right. everything. You can do it legally, too. No, I will not watch it. Come I will on. watch the game cast on ESPN. Brutal. Come on. Watch the game. I mean, I'll have it taped, so in case they win, I'll go home at <laughs> midnight and watch it and be very happy. Uh, You'll be watching they, it. They're going to win. If they lose, I will not I will not go home. Dodgers in three. Wow. What do they play? Friday, Saturday, Monday. Yep. We'll be doing Monday. We'll be doing a show. Friday, hey, Saturday, Monday. Dodgers going for the sweep. Wow. Yeah. Wish I was as confident as you are. You should be. Your team's good. Uh, wish I was as confident as you are. I, I just can't be. I never have been. <sighs> you inspire me. What? What do you think? <laughs> Ole Miss will give popcorn to the first 5,000 fans at their game against Arkansas on Saturday. So... If you watched Ole Miss Alabama this past weekend, Lane Kiffin gave an interview, like literally like 30 seconds before kickoff. And he was asked one question and he then threw the mic or the headset up in the air after saying, get your popcorn ready. Right. Then his team lost 42 to 21. Yes. (laughs) Didn't score a point until the second half of that game. Uh, so Lane Kiffin's leaned into this because the Alabama mascot came out with like pop with some weird popcorn vendor outfit on during that game as well. And now Ole Miss is giving out free popcorn to the first 5,000 fans to just lean all the way in to Lane Kiffin making fun of himself. I thought it was funny that when they went to the halftime show, all those guys were eating popcorn. And I thought to myself, <laughs> did someone go out and buy that? Or do you have popcorn at the TV station? They it might was have really, a good to They go. must have popcorn yeah, at might. the TV station. Um, Good for... Mississippi kind of buying into it. I mean, look, when he does something like that and it doesn't work out and then they lose 42 to 21, you got to buy into it. You can't get mad at it. Did you see it halftime when they threw to her or he was coming out? She was, I forget the silent report. I apologize this, but she was not happy that he did that from during the beginning. No. So her question is, what do you need on offense? Yeah. She barely like said, she was coach, what do you need to do on offense? She was so mad at him. Like he, no matter what, he was only getting, because she obviously wanted to ask more than one question before the game. She, He was only getting one question at halftime because she was not happy. I would have been mad too, because she asked him like a question about the meeting from the year before and right. some, like a little small detail that Lane Kiffin had from the year before. And Lane just for whatever reason was like angry. Yeah. I don't even know if he was angry with the question. He was just angry. Was it angry or... Was it overconfidence and he thought they were winning? Maybe it was overconfidence. I mean, get your popcorn yeah, ready, I guess. Yeah, that kind of gives the insinuation that get your popcorn ready, we're going to score 56 they here. Should have scored 56. Still unbelievable they didn't. Yeah. Next question. 
18 former NBA players were arrested and charged with defrauding the NBA's health and welfare benefit plan. So to sum this up fairly quickly, the 18 players were basically submitting fake doctor appointments and then collecting the reimbursement checks from the the NBA basically has a plan for retired players or whatever. Hey, we'll help you pay for bills, uh, medical bills. And so they were saying, hey, I had this procedure done and they had a guy who was faking the documents to say, yep, Man. he had this done. Uh, they The estimation is that they took $4 million, according to uh, Tom Winter, who broke this story. Uh, Terrence Williams is the former player that apparently orchestrated all of this. There's not a bunch of well-known players. No, Tony some. Allen's in there. Melvin um, Eli. Yeah, Darius Miles. Darius Miles. Like, there's some names you recognize. Glenn Davis is maybe the most popular one. Uh, but not really big names in there. Uh, but here's one fun detail just to let you guys in on what some of this was. Uh, Greg Smith submitted a $48,000 claim for dental work. It's a lot of dental work, it's a by lot the of way. Dental work. I mean, I've had a root canal. It was, you know, like $2,000, not $48,000. Yes. Uh, dental work done in Beverly Hills on December 20th, 2018. The only problem is that he was actually playing in Taiwan that week investigators just pulled the box scores i mean maybe in beverly hills that's what it cost maybe. i mean if i'm if i'm gonna try to you know get past with the money i don't know if i'm saying beverly hills and forty yeah. starting with you know eh, yeah. 100 bucks i mean i literally had to sell a car once in order to get dental work done so i mean to me, forty-eight thousand. I'm like, well, over the course of a life, to like, maybe he just never brushed his teeth ever, and he's just like, all right, we're going full veneers. There was another I detail. Want, I, I want the Ben Affleck veneers. There's another detail that three of these players submitted that they had root canal on the same exact tooth on the same exact day. Oh, oh Jesus! No. Oh Jesus! What, what a <laughs> this disaster! Is, is this the? This what is a like, disaster. This isn't even Goodfellas, where it's like, don't spit, like you know, don't get flashy with the money. This is just like. Guys, just coordinate better, and they never would have caught you. I, so that's the thing. I think what what we have here is there's probably a few of these guys that that like whatever came up with this and had a guy that could forge these documents, and it was like, yep, this is good. Like this is a good scam. We're gonna make a lot of money doing this. They just invited too many other people in. Like when you invite 18 people into this to do this, you're gonna have some morons in there. You're gonna have some people that say, yeah, I got. Uh, I had like 17 root canals done on the same day in Beverly Hills uh, when I was in Taiwan. Like, you're just going to have some morons in there. Did you read far enough into what they could be? No, I did not read to see what they would be charged they with. They be I, yeah, with? was more laughing at uh, you know, $48,000 yeah, in Beverly Hills. And for three of them root submitting canal. root canal on the same day. Oh. But he's in Taiwan <laughs> scoring three points and grabbing a rebound. Man, you know, that's a great question. UNLV quarterbacks are ranked 121st out of 130th in college football. Pro Football Focus ranks the college football quarterbacks 1 to 130. And normally they will just put like the starter for each team. But for UNLV, they well, listed three guys. Doug Brumfield, Justin Rogers, and Cameron Field. Uh, here's the teams, though, that have worse quarterback play than UNLV this year. New Mexico State, Temple, San Diego State. Georgia State, Arizona, Navy, Georgia Southern, Southern Miss, and UConn have the worst quarterback play in the country. Wow. I mean, Arizona's, I don't think they've won this year, so they've lost like 7,000 straight games. 
Daniel State's ranked 25th, so I guess they have a good defense. Everything else is good but the quarterback, <laughs> they must apparently. They have a really good defense if their quarterbacks <laughs> are one of the worst in the country. Which, by the way, to add on to this, fun game this week. 0-5 UConn plays 0-5 UMass. Ugh. And every... So... Whether it's like guys like Brad Powers who have like their own power rankings and stuff like that, or like SP plus the efficiency rankings, I have not seen one that has UNLV below either of those two teams. Like there is a college football game between two division one FBS programs where both teams are probably worse than UNLV, which is unbelievable to say out loud, but it's it's probably well, true. I mean, I think that that makes sense given you've already picked that their first win is this Oh, week. they're winning. They're beating Utah State. They're beating That's Utah right. State. Jump on board the Marcus Arroyo bandwagon. Great question. Thank you. Astros owner Jim Crane says there's a chance they will re-sign Carlos Correa. He is a free agent this offseason. Expectation is he's going to get a 10-year deal worth over $300 million, or at least that's what he thinks he's going to get. Uh, The Astros did offer him a five-year deal worth $125 million before the season started, but he obviously rejected that. Uh, I think Jim Crane is full of it, and there is no chance the Astros are going to make a legitimate run. How are they going to get to that number if they're like that far apart on their initial offer? I know he's a great player, but you're going to go from that offer to like, oh, okay, you're right, we'll give you three? It comes down to the years for the Astros more than the money, I think. Um, Although the money is a bit of an issue as well, but I think it's about the years and the fact that the Astros do not want to... Basically, they don't want to have the Albert Pujols in L.A. contract. Right. That's what they want to avoid here is, yes, Carlos Correa is very good right now, and he's still young. He's 27. So he's going to be good for the next few years, but... Once he gets to 31, 32, are you paying this guy, you know, 30 plus million dollars a year and he starts to, you know, regress and is yeah. not, you know, a top end shortstop in baseball anymore. That's the Astros big concern. And this is where I hate being me because as a fan, I want them to give Carlos Correa a lifetime contract and never see him play for another team again. But I also understand that it'd probably be in the team's best interest to just let Carlos Correa walk. How depressed will you be? There's a lot of shortstops out there, though. Yeah, they'll probably just go internal, too, so it'll even be more uh, deflating when they do that. Um, so they lost George Springer last offseason. That one sucked because I George Springer, outside of Altuve, Springer's been my favorite during this era. Correa, though, Correa's basically become, like, the face of the team. Like, right. Altuve's right. the most popular one, but Correa's become, like, the face of the team and the voice of the team. So it's he's skyrocketed up like the popularity rankings and stuff this past year and a half. So it's going to be pretty tough to watch Carlos Correa go somewhere else just because he has been like the leader of the Astros for the last year. I mean, basically since the scandal came out, Carlos Correa has been front and center about the whole thing. And we'll yell. He'll, he yelled at Cody Bellinger the one time, which was great, by well, the way. Cody Bellinger's hitting like 170 since Correa yelled at him, by the way. So <laughs> maybe that's why Bellinger got so afraid mad. of Correa. Yeah. He's, so depre- he's so afraid and so yeah, depressed. He got, he got afraid of Correa yelling at him. All right, coming up next. Drew McGarry joins the show. We're going to have, later this hour, some tickets to give away to go see the Golden Knights and the Kraken in their opener. We're also going to have our Porta Subs uh, tailgate tray as well. Oh, and it's blocked. Right up the middle. It's blocked. Michael Dixon picks it up, and now he's got some blockers in front. He's going to kick it again, and it's going to sail over everybody's head, and it's going to go down to the 20, the 10, the 5. 
down to the 10. There's a flag down on the far side. But just the ability of Michael Dixon to run over, grab it after it was blocked, and kick it again. Yeah, amazing. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Joining us now is Drew McGarry. You can find his work at Defector and also SF Gate. And Drew, before we get into any of this sports nonsense, uh, I want to talk about the uh, Facebook glasses you tried out uh, for SF Gate. And um, are you going to rob a bank with those now or not? No, I cased the bank with the Facebook sunglasses because they have a camera built in. But I did not rob the bank because as, uh, as vigorously successful a criminal enterprise Facebook is, that uh, their ability to do crimes does not extend to me, the Facebook user, which is unfortunate. <laughs> so, okay, how, like, <coughs> how invasive did you think this was? The idea that you could walk around with sunglasses on your face and basically take pictures of anything without anybody else knowing? Uh, how did I? How did I feel about it? Or how was was it cool? Oh, oh, oh I mean, it sounds like you <laughs> yeah. think it's cool, so you did feel cool about it. <laughs> I, I mean, it was kind of cool. It was like, it's really, it's cool if you're someone like me who hates carrying literally anything. Like, I don't like having anything in my hand. Like, the second I buy something at a mall and I have to carry it around in a bag, I immediately regret having bought it because I have to carry it. So, like, the idea that you can wear sunglasses and say to your idiot sunglasses, hey, Facebook, take a picture so you don't have to get out your phone and fumble around like a moron is useful, kind of. But, you know, ultimately, you're not going to get very good photo quality because you don't know what you're looking at. You know, for all I know, you know, I there was a taco in the way when I was trying to take a photo of something. I mean, <laughs> shouldn't Zuckerberg be more concerned with getting hacked than coming up with this stuff? Yeah, you would think. <laughs> and, yes, here we are. <laughs> so, all right, you have the, the Facebook glasses. My favorite detail of your story, though, is that you had to reactivate your Facebook account. Uh, yes, I, ha- I had to do that after like five years away. And the second I entered, all I had to do was enter my, my passcode, my username. And I was like, welcome back. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Have you already deactivated awful, it again? I, and then I, I, yeah, I deactivated it. I deactivated it before the post went up. I was like, all right, well. <laughs> and uh, so no one could find me on Facebook. But I know there's, it's still sitting there on a server farm in, like, Western Sahara or something. So, like, the second I, like, go back, like, hey, you sure you sure don't want to come back? There's candy. How far up, and we're guessing it's the over uh, overriding winner to your uh, fire these bleeping coaches as Urban Meyer at this point. Is he, like, a runaway winner? Is he, like, first, second, and third? Yeah, and like I was kind of hoping this week that maybe maybe he'd, he'd get the can, maybe he'd get gated. But uh, but Shai Khan was like, "Well, we stand by him. We we think he'll get his act together." Which he totally won't. He's not <laughs> ever getting his act together. But like Shai Khan doesn't want to eat the contract, so he has to like he has to spend at least a few more weeks pretending this could maybe possibly work. When there's no hope of that. He just he can't coach in the pros. He can't do it. He stinks. Is there anyone besides Tim Tebow cheering for Urban Meyer? I don't think so, and I don't think even Tebow does anymore. He's probably not like Tebow is ultimately a, a self-interested guy, so he's probably like, oh, I don't know about this, you know, because he got cut already. So he's not going. Urban's not going to bring him back for the next training camp. So it's like I'm sure Tebow's like, mm, you know what? We weren't actually really all that good friends. I may not even know him <laughs> like when they meet at church and stuff like that. 
I mean, can you remember, and I think a lot of people, and I think there's some in this room in terms of his ego and how people feel about him, coaches more unlike than him because of his past in terms of kind of the ego and the smugness of this person? Well, it's not just the ego and smugness. Because all coaches have that, right? But Urban has an extremely well-documented and extensive history of, you know, abetting criminal players, right. uh, abetting assistant coaches who abused women, and covering it up, and and covering up numerous other offenses. So we're talking about a legitimately bad person here. We're not just talking about your standard annoying egomaniac coach like Matt Patricia or some other moron like that. We're talking about someone who has done extensive evil and is extremely unapologetic about it and doesn't even know why you're asking him. He's actually angry that you're asking, that you deign to ask him anything about his faults because he doesn't think he has any. And that's where the, the, the problem really lies. Why do you love fat athletic defensive tackles? Because they're really good. Like they're, <laughs> you know, like, you know, we do the whole thing where it's like, oh, fat guy touchdown, huh? or that guy's 400 pounds and all that stuff. Did you have, have you ever had like Jerry Ball on your team? Like it makes an insane difference. Like your, your defense is instantly good. It's fantastic. It's just, it's one of the most amazing luxuries you could have outside of a shutdown corner. And shutdown corners don't even exist anymore because of the rules. You believed in Gino for a second. Did you remember Gino still existed? I, you know what? I did because I, I only I remember every August because I do the Wire Team Sucks previews for Defector. <laughs> and uh, then I'm like, well, who's the backup? I always have checked who's the backup. And every time I'm surprised in, in Seattle, I'm like, oh, right, Gino Smith. He's still there, which is hilarious. <laughs> And then he came into the he came into the game last night, and I was like, "Well, this will be high comedy." And then he played very effective football all the way to the end. And then he threw a pick, and it was like it was it was on brand, but it was sadly on brand. I wanted Gino to succeed. I feel like you are robbed of one of the joys of watching the NFL because if you always look up the backups before the season starts, then you don't get the joy of oh, the starters hurt. Oh my God, that guy's still in the league is always coming into the game next. Yeah, I mean, you guys are, are a Raiders show, so like anytime you can be reminded that Nathan Peterman exists and that <laughs> someone actively employs him, I mean, that's a whole that's a that's a, that's like finding money in your pocket you didn't remember was there. It's tons of fun. John Gruden's been giving Nathan Peterman a million dollars for four straight years now, and we can't figure out why. Unbelievable! He likes this guy Peterman. Likes the way he hustles on the field. Well, who was the guy last week that we didn't realize who was talking out against Fauci? We didn't even know he was on the team. Oh, the pra- Kyle Slaughter. On Kyle the practice Slaughter, the squad. practice yeah, squad. Yeah, I was trying to make fun of Anthony Fauci on Twitter. Oh, I know that. I know that. He's <laughs> practice squad player for a while. He's right in the he's right in the, the practice squad QB that like the fa- local fans like because they hate every other QB on the roster. So they're like, oh, well, this guy must have some potential. He's 25, and I've never seen him play football. You may not even know how to play, but he could be the next Kurt Warner. You don't know. Uh, I don't have an actual question for you on this, but just as a Vikings fan, just you can go wherever you want with this after I give you these two <laughs> words. Kurt Cousins. I mean, I thought he was playing the best football of his career the first three games, and then he went back to being Kurt uh, the fourth game. So it's it's always – you're always suckered in if you're a local fan because you don't really have much of a choice, right? Like, it's your it's your quarterback – that's the only good quarterback on the team. So it's like you have to be like, all right, fine. I guess I believe in him. And then he does something to utterly you know, destroy his own credibility. And you're like, all right, well, he sucks again, and I don't ever want to see his face. 
So last time we talked to you, we talked a little bit about your book that's coming out, The Night the Lights Went Out. Um, how was recording right. the audio book for that? So, I, yeah, I had to record the audio book, except for the, the front part. We had actors do the voices of my family and the people who saved my life uh, the night I had a brain hemorrhage. But I had to read it in a, a booth. And I actually, I've read one of my other memoirs in a booth. And, like, I mean, in theory, it's, like, emotional because you're going through, you know, a really traumatic period in your life. Uh, but mostly it's, I was like, I need a glass of water. Like, it was a lot of talking. <laughs> like, I like, like I, it's I yeah I don't know how you guys just talk for hours on end on the radio every day like you know this is like like I'm gonna need a nap after this hit because it's, <laughs> it's like it's like ten pure minutes of uncut talking I'm not used to that at all. Oh, I've never had somebody try to describe this job as tough at all, but I <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it. Um, okay, yeah, that's right. You might be the grittiest toughest <laughs> in America. <laughs> No one says that. How how did you decide what was how did you decide which actors voice actors were going to be which members of your family and other people that helped you that night? I'm actually not. Uh, I don't know. Oh. I wasn't in charge of the production. Okay. So they said. They, I just said. They just said. Well, you know what? What should we look for when we hire actors and actresses? I just was like, just make sure they're good. Like I don't <laughs> like. I wasn't good. I wasn't go to the casting reels and be like, that doesn't sound enough. Like my mom or my wife or anything like that. Because, you know, you you bring your own inherent biases if you know people involved. It's actually better to have somebody who doesn't know who they are so it can just be like, well, that sounds like a good concerned wife. That sounds like a best friend who's very concerned that Drew is bleeding to death on the floor. So that, that's probably the best. That was probably the best way to go. Well, you said it was emotional uh, between the writing and the voice. Which was more cathartic then to, you know, go through that? I mean... I don't know. I, I used to write in terms of like, I used to like think it was very cathartic and stuff like that, but it proved to be more of a sugar rush. So it was, it was more just gratifying to go through it, particularly on the page and sort of learn about what had happened to me. Cause I was in a coma for two weeks. I didn't know what had happened. So to conduct the interviews and sort of go back and understand exactly what had happened to me when I suffered this injury and had gone deaf and stuff like that was actually, it was, it was, it felt more, you know, empowering is such an empty word now, too, but it, it, I just felt better about sort of the state of everything because I knew, you know, as much as I could about what had happened. And, you know, I, I, I had sort of gotten accustomed to being disabled since I had written it anyway. So I was just making sure that it was a good story well told, that people would actually enjoy reading it. They wouldn't be like, oh, I, I don't want to read about this guy collapsing. So I didn't really realize this when we talked to you the last time about it, but the uh, fact that you had to interview other people about yourself, it kind of sounds humorous. So like, so, okay, so tell me about me. What did I do? Yeah. Yeah. That's the, the thing. It opens, opens with sort of an oral history of what happened to me. And, you know, it's either, it's either really novel to do that or, you know, you got, you got some balls on you. <laughs> <laughs> so you do an oral history of your damn self and have it, and have it committed to, to print. But it was the best narrative device for it. So I did it. Uh, it is The Night the Lights Went Out uh, by Drew McGarry. You can pre-order it now uh, on Amazon. You already have number one bestseller by it on Amazon. Look at you go. So uh, Yeah, I think it's in the category of like neurological diseases or something like that. Like Amazon has like 50, 500 different subcategories. <laughs> if I'm number one in any of them, you better believe I'm going to put that like in my Twitter <laughs> But he is Drew McGarry, uh, again, from Defector and SFK. Drew, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, us. Drew. Thanks, gents. Have a great day. Appreciate it. It's still, and by the way, for those of you that 
did not catch the last time we talked to Drew. He uh, fainted and fell and hit his head and was, like he said, in a coma for two weeks. And that's sort of the general backstory to what his book is about. I'm glad you asked him about that because it would be fascinating asking other people what they went through or right. like, how, what was I like yeah. when it happened and when I was in the coma. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's a bizarre thing to think, oh yeah. Like, you know, you interview people, you do, Drew does it, you do it. Sure. I've done it. You interview people and ask them about themselves usually, yes. but okay. <laughs> so I almost died. What was that? <laughs> what like? was I like? Yeah. Were you ever bored standing over That's my hospital bed for two weeks? <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a strange thing. But yeah, the night the lights went out uh, is the book. You can pre-order it now uh, on Amazon and, or the audio book. Uh, all right. So we got a lot of things here coming up. Uh, first off, Julio's got a chance at 500 bucks thanks to Dollar Loan Center. They're offering signature loans up to $5,000 just stopped by one of their 31 Las Vegas locations. Next hour, we got our Porta Subs uh, tailgate trike that you will have a chance to win. But right now, how do we want to do this, Jared? We're going to plan this on the air. We have tickets to the Golden Knights Kraken season opener on Tuesday. Do we want to take callers now or do we want to open the next segment taking callers and make them answer a specific question? Let's take callers next segment okay. and make them answer a specific question that we'll determine in, in the, the break. break. All right. So be ready. When we come back, we're going to start soliciting calls if you want a chance to win tickets to the Golden Knights and Kraken. Here comes Andrew Ladd left side. Former Islander put it toward the net out in front. Score. They got Leonard moving. He made an initial stop along the post, but the rebound was put home. And Andrew Ladd should have his second point of the evening. Three to one Coyotes. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. All right, we got a pair of tickets to go see the Golden Knights open the season against the Seattle Kraken. If you can answer this question, last year, at the start of the pandemic, we gave away a Golden Knights jersey. Whose name was on the back of that jersey? Whose jersey was that? If you know the answer to that question, if you're a listener of this show, 702-364-1100 is the phone number. If you can answer that question, call now, 702-364-1100. Whoever can answer that question first is going to win a pair of tickets to the Golden Knights opener against the Seattle Kraken. Phone lines burning up. I see nothing but red dots. I do not know if this is going to be easy or hard. I think it's going to be easy. I, I don't know if people are going to know this or not. All right. Uh, we got Trevor <laughs> on the phone. Trevor, do you know the answer to this question? We gave away a Gold Knights jersey at the start of the pandemic last year. Whose jersey was it? Whose name was on the back of the jersey? I'm hoping it was Flurry. It was not Mark oh. Sorry, Trevor. Sorry, Trevor. So, all right. 0 for 1 so far. Again, we got tickets. Golden Knights cracking on Tuesday. The question is, we gave away a jersey last year at the start of the pandemic. Whose name was on the back of that jersey? I, I think it's going to be hard. Oh, I think it's You've easy. You've got to really right, I'll give listen you an, to the I'll show. give you an over-under. Before we get the next call, I'll give you an over-under four and a half. Four and a half. All right. Reed, you're up. Do you know the answer to this question? We gave away a jersey at the start of the pandemic, a Golden Knights jersey, start of the pandemic last year. Do you know whose name was on the back of that jersey? 
I'm not sure, but I'm going to go with Vadim Shipashov. Oh, that was oh, a good one. It man. was not Vadim Shipashov. I went under in the four and a half. Now, if he's going to Shippy, I might be completely wrong. I, I wish we had had oh, a Vadim Shipashov jersey good. to give Shippy away. Hell, I would have might have taken it. Yes. I'm saying, we're not giving this away. Gun down to Flamingo Ice House, Adam sign it. Oh, Shipashov. Where is he in the KHL still? Yes. Did he have a really yes. good season last year? He had a really year? good season. Yes. The guy's actually good at this sport, except yeah. didn't really work in the NHL, apparently. All right, Matt, you're up. If Come you on, can Matty. answer this question. We gave away a Golden Knights jersey at the beginning of the pandemic last year. Whose name was on the back of that jersey? Paula? Eric Paula? It was not Eric Oh, man. Oh, for three now as we try to give away <laughs> these Golden Knight tickets to How play the Seattle How soon will we go Kraken. to Jared's second question? <laughs> <laughs> Well, the funny part is we're going to run out of time here if somebody doesn't get this Come on, soon. 9 o'clock, yeah, hard we, out, hard out at 9 o'clock. We do have a hard out coming soon. Come Poor on. Jared's trying to answer the phones, and he's going to have to tell us we got a hard out coming up soon. He's so going to be like waving his finger. We got Sean. All right, Sean, the question is, we gave away a Golden Knights jersey at the start of the pandemic last year. Whose name was on the back of that jersey? Sub. We got oh, it. We Subban. got it. Sean has won a pair of tickets to go see the Golden Knights season opener against the Seattle Kraken. It was a Malcolm Subban jersey. Good job, Sean. Good job, Sean. Congratulations. Thanks, thanks. All right. All right. So stay on the line. Jared's got to get some information from you so we can get you those tickets. Oh. So there we go. Took four. So the Took under four. The, the under, under one. The under hit. That's right. The under hit. So congratulations to Sean. Um, either a good guesser or a loyal listener. To no, know. I think it's loyal. I think so too. <laughs> After to know. one guy went shippy, I don't know how many loyal <laughs> listeners we have. Well, see, I think, I think that was Reed that went shippy. I think Reed, he, he knows the show because he knows, oh, they're giving away a Jersey. It's probably a stupid Jersey. So he, yes. he was in the same or the right mind. The first flurry so. guess. I want to say, buddy, you don't leave. You, know, you mustn't <laughs> listen to the show. That was way too popular a player. So there is a pair of tickets uh, for Sean to go see the Golden Knights season Kraken. opener. Yeah. So there you go. Now uh, for the Golden Knights, they played last night, a preseason game. It was actually like a, Hey, we've kind of got our whole team here. Not quite the whole team, but they kind of got quite a few players there that are actually going to play. And they didn't play very well last night. No, they did not. I wouldn't say it's too concerning. It's still no. the preseason, but, but like, Pete DeBoer says he's taking one last look at Peyton Krebs against San Jose. What do you think? I want to see him on the team. I just, I just. Oh, I'd like to see him on the team. I just don't know if he will be. I guess the the bigger question for me is like, is Will Carrier going to play in week or upper like body injury? Game? Is like how like how unhealthy are they for the first game? Right. Like, is Nick Waugh playing? Is everybody good? If everybody's good to go, I don't think I don't think Peyton Krebs is making. I think it. he's in Henderson. Um, but. I hope if Carrier's out, they're legitimately going to give Peyton Krebs a shot just because it'd be fun. And here's the thing. The Golden Knights are going to win this division. The Golden Knights are going to blow away this division. I think they should experiment. I think they should take the regular season to try Peyton Krebs out on the roster anywhere. Honestly, hell, try Peyton Krebs as your first line center with Stone and Pacioretty. I think they should try to experiment and see what different options they have because they could have really good options, but they're going to be committed to what they've done before and it might not work for them.